Welcome to Let's Talk About Shreks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This episode, Jack and Earl discuss Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 13, All the World's a Stage. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to the show, you. I am Earl Grey. My name is Jack Dorino. And we are Let's Talk About Treks. That is us. Today we'll be discussing Star Trek Prodigy. Season 1, Episode 13, All the World's a Stage. We both said it now. <laughs> <laughs> This episode was... What's that? <laughs> when did this episode come out? This episode was released on the 10th of... <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> Professional. <laughs> Yellow leather, red leather. This episode was released on Veterans Day Eve. <laughs> Wait, you can't, you, can't, you can't start like Tweety Bird and then continue like Earl Grey. <laughs> it was released on what? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. This episode was released on Veterans Day Eve 2022. Veterans Eve. Otherwise known as the 10th of November. Isn't it a day, though? Isn't there a day? Like, Armistice? It, what is that day? Isn't November 10th a day? The day before Veterans Day? Isn't that a day also? I mean, I... I, I we'd have to look <laughs> at my just... calendar page. I don't think so. They're all days, actually. No, <laughs> Depends all on where you're going. 365 of them. <laughs> Our days. <laughs> and they're all eaves before the next day. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Veterans Day is especially special because that's when Mom and Jack Dorino, I mean, Ma and Pa, Ma and Pa Dorino, um, and welcome to uh, Jack to the world. Oh, okay. Happy, bur mm -hmm. happy birthday. Veterans Day on mm -hmm. the planet Beringadar. Did I ever tell you that's where I was born? N no, that seems... Kind of ironic. Thank you. <laughs> the interesting thing is that Earth also has a... Well, the country of the United States on Earth has a holiday as well called Veterans Day. And it also happens to land on the 11th of November as well. Oh, did you sell your veterans too? <laughs> to the highest bidder? Is that what that's about? Uh... We don't sell people anymore. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, that's not true. I thought Quark said they never sold their people. Okay, Quark. This is the 12th episode of Star Trek Prodigy. Wait, what? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> because we there were 10 episodes to start with, right? And then this is the third episode after the break. Y yes. Then what's 10 plus 3? 12. What? <laughs> Wait, are you serious? Did I, am I misunderstanding base 10 at this point? <laughs> well, you start with zero, alone. don't you? Uh, yes. So zero. Yeah, we started with zero, episode zero. That's why we're on episode, I don't know, something positive of zero right now. So where were we? It is the 866th of all of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. The writer was Aaron J. Waltkin. Aaron Waltke. Waltke? 
He's the that's good Aaron. He's good Aaron on Twitter. He's uh, one of the co-executive producers and mm, okay. writes uh, many of the greater episodes. Oh, okay. Well, not that they're all not great. They're actually all <laughs> pretty great. <laughs> he writes the best episode 13 of Prodigy. Oh, okay. That there is. The director was Andrew L. Schmidt. All the world's a stage takes place on in twenty three eighty four before live studio audience. Yes, on Stardate six one two nine six point nine, the very end of the day, I guess. That, that's a point nine. Sure. <laughs> yeah, just about to flip to the next day. The crew answers a distress call to find a colony trapped in Starfleet's past. Yeah, I'm glad we pick up on the storyline from the very end of last episode where we got the distress call. Yeah, otherwise it would have been one of those adventures that would have might have been better to have heard, seen it rather than heard about it. Well, yeah, or that would have been like a, a beta canon adventure, a beta, yeah, a beta canon adventure mm, where okay. we have like you know a video game or a novel. Mm, okay, are they doing or short story comic books of this yet? This is they are. Oh, okay, yes. I'm I'm thinking there's comics of everything. Oh, okay. At this point. I definitely <laughs> saw something in the flyby of the Delta, but I wasn't sure, but it made I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> again. What do you mean? Well, you, you'll have to watch it. Like are you getting are you getting hold on. Cuz I want to make sure that we are talking about the same thing. Hold on a second really quickly. You were talking about the thing that happens at the beginning of Star Trek Lower Decks and it shows the Cerritos and the Koala. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And the thing that happens at the beginning of Strange New Worlds that shows the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. You're saying that you've seen one for Prodigy. I've seen one for Prodigy. What? And I'm... I, again, I, I have yet to see this. I, I've watched this episode about six times, and none of those times did it start with anything except that blank screen and saying a CBS Studios production. Huh. And then carried on to the main theme from there yeah I th- how are you getting this i'm so curious as to why i wouldn't be allowed to see it what's up paramount <laughs> you got a problem with me? maybe maybe i'm a test audience yeah i haven't seen it i'm really sorry but did you have did you want to talk about it or something Were you something you wanted to say about it? well yeah so i'm not quite sure what i'm seeing is the hidden image or not so okay. hidden image. The se- I don't know what you want to call it, but I mean it's hidden from me for sure. <laughs> there's definitely something there, and I'm, it kind of vaguely reminds me of the asteroid mine that the diviner is mining in the fir- first half of the season. Divining the mines, mines. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We open on the USS Dauntless. We do, which sounds like a train. It, it like I get the idea of like the weight of the sound. And, but it definitely sounds like a train, which I actually thought was kind of neat. I kind of liked it. It kind of, I was like, oh, I see. They're doing big, heavy. It's a big, heavy ship. Oh, it feels that way okay. because it sounds like a train. Yeah. And it's on Star Trek. Is this the first that we've opened on the the Dauntless, or have they done that before this season? Well, I don't recall specifically. I feel like it doesn't seem unfamiliar. Oh, okay. Maybe we've come to the Dauntless very, very soon. Uh, and and maybe we've probably ended on. We've definitely ended. Oh on yeah, we there, we've got some end credit scenes. Is it this point nine hour of the day where uh, Janeway decides that she's going to start interrogating this man mm-hmm. who's who's coming out of like a, the stupor of a coma mm-hmm. and like not doing well? And she she comes in wearing her black gloves with her hot tea. <laughs> yeah, 
you said this thing. Can you tell me more about that? Like, how do we even? I was thinking, like, maybe she didn't even. He didn't even say anything about it because I didn't hear him say anything about Protostar. Mm -hmm. Well, while he was like going through his things, so I think that she just like said it to see if it would trigger something for him, to mm. see if she she was trying to get she was trying to get her information. She didn't. Nobody heard him say Protostar. But he does uh, recognize a picture of Chakotay, but he doesn't say who it is. And they deliberately, it seems like they're deliberately misleading on who captured him. Yeah, so what the Diviner says was that he was captured. Yeah. I feel like that was intentionally non-specific yeah. because we're, we're meant not to know whether it was the Diviner that captured him or someone else. But mm -hmm. as far as we know from the beginning of this series, mm -hmm. the Diviner is the one who has been wandering around capturing people. Yeah. The one thing that this brought it brought to my mind for a question is, do you think Chakotay's with the little Cation? <laughs> well, I, that's a good question. I was thinking, I was still thinking that was anyway. I'm about to jump ahead. Sorry. If the diviners from the future could, he have captured or Chakotay have been ca captured from the timeline that or the time frame that uh, the diviners from? Maybe he somehow got propelled to the future. Hmm. Now, how would the sh ship have gotten to the past? Because it would have time traveled twice. Yeah. Once with Chakotay and one without. Yeah. So maybe that's how the Diviner got to back to the present. He set his, his device needed a sample of what time to go to. His device might have locked onto the time frame that the the uh, Protostar came from, and returned. He was in it when he the Protostar was returned to its present. That sounds incredibly complex well i mean it's i'm not saying it's not possible yeah. i'm just i'm just letting you know that it sounds incredibly complex <laughs> okay so maybe wherever chakotay and possibly the rest of his crew are are front you know are they're trapped in in time rather than trapped in a cell in yeah space. i don't think that's the case but now that you mention it it is curious that janeway is only looking for chakotay mm. oh yeah we actually learn in this episode that the protostar takes a certain amount of crew to fly it not to jump too far ahead of the episode <laughs> but this is one thing we learned yeah and we have to find a remedy to that yeah. so why then would janeway be looking for only chakotay mm -hmm. if it takes that many people to fly the ship I'm going to put a pin in that. We'll come back to that concept yeah. in a little while. But I am glad that, that we were, they took us back to uh, Barnes Frex. Mm -hmm. Because if you remember when this whole thing happened, was it a couple episodes ago? We were like, yeah. hey, what happened to, because they went, they saw the, the relay station yeah. right, last episode. Yeah. So we did bring up like where in the world, what happened to Barnes Frex. Carmen so San Diego. Somebody, oh. So the picture that they have um, on the pad of, the escape pod it looks like to me like it's crashed on some icy area yeah snow world or something or at least or the pol polar cap, yeah, polar cap. Yeah. and they just said that someone rescued him yeah we don't know who yet yeah i'm thinking it must be chakotay and the cation oh that's the whole other uh, show that that you guys haven't seen yet well i think that janeway jumps to conclusions and assumes that whoever has the protostar rescued him I mean, I see how the clues that are building up for Janeway are not leading to truth. Yeah. And how the clues are building toward uh, a confrontation mm -hmm. 
between the protostar and the dauntless yeah and i feel like there's a story element that's shadowing us that mm. we haven't quite like we've we've we're like just brushing the edge of it mm-hmm. but we're not like getting to it yeah of, of what is it that's because there's something between there's something between us there's something between the protostar and the dauntless so we're looking through the surface of the water to try and see what it is but it, the water's too stirred up to see what it is right now yeah because there's there is kind of like a lot of a lot of stuff happening and everybody's emotions are all right well at least with janeway janeway's emotions are all over the place mm-hmm. yeah hey, i wonder where mark is right now mark yeah mark her husband G- mm-hmm. i have no idea <laughs> the diviner <laughs> mentions the phrase the intrusion I wonder if that's his or, or the people that were on his side of the Civil War, if the, the intrusion of Starfleet and first contact that started their Civil War. Just before that, he says something about atrocities mm. as well. So I don't know whether the atrocities and the intrusion were perpetrated by the same people mm. or whether the, like I would not be upset about the intrusion if the intrusion ended the atrocities. Mm. So I would have to say that to me, it would make more sense that both of those come from the same source. Mm. Okay. So something like, you know, oops, entered your planet's atmosphere with my (laughs) quantum warp core exposed and burned your atmosphere to pieces. My bad. You know, oops, dropped my G type shuttlecraft on your planet into (laughs) a bath of like dilithium juice with plasma exploded your atmosphere. Oh, okay. We haven't gotten there yet. That that happens in this episode? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think so. So there's definitely a manhunt on. Yeah. Janeway has decided. Yeah. We segue into a captain's log given, of course, by Dalarel. Yeah. And uh, I, when we pay, did you see that there's a game game from the game? Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, he was playing that before and he's obviously yeah. kept it around. The living construct uh, is able to adapt hmm. and it can, it can spread itself wirelessly, which, you know, because they say like, even if we connect to a subspace antenna, right, then it can spread itself that way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it can go entirely wireless. So like even the Dauntless coming close to it and, you know, connecting with it, hail, you know, a yeah. hail and they do a little IFF handshake or whatever, that's going to make the Dauntless go haywire. Okay. And then there goes the, that's so like, this is the confrontation that we're building to. Right? Yeah. So apparently um, the, we're building to something where the pro, pro, they try to hail the protostar just to start hopefully maybe opening a reasonable dialogue but then they ignore it and just maybe warp away or fire at them or something you just think about the dauntless right Mm -hmm. the dauntless doesn't know that the protostar is dangerous that's right they're going to come up to it and they're going to try to communicate with it yeah so as soon as they open their ports then you know then it's going to be a problem so the protostar has to avoid the dauntless at all costs yeah exactly so it's almost like a never-ending chase but Dalarel did say something last episode about maybe we won't take the ship with us. Well, they m- mentioned that again at the end of this episode, too. Well, let's continue our walk through the episode. Yeah. Which I forgot to say earlier. <laughs> the thing about this weapon, it seems to have a void in it. 
like it's missing a part or something's supposed to go into it. Uh, something that occurred to me was... What do you it, mean? Explain what you mean. I don't understand. So the, the weapon is, is like in the shape of a ring instead of a sphere. I think it's layered spheres. It's like it's rings layered on a sphere. Okay. Like there's a sphere in the middle, and then there's like currenty rings okay. around it. I guess all I was seeing was the rings going around some sort of void, and I was speculating that maybe in order to be a completed weapon, Zero would have to be forced into it somehow or drawn into it somehow to be... Maybe that would lead zero to be forced to be a weapon again I was kind of speculating on where what that weapon might need to be completed um did you vote in the recent election I did yeah I don't that's a very interesting idea mm -hmm. I, I don't know if there's anything missing from the living construct okay but that's that's curious So um, we know what a what what Murph is correct. He's a melanoid slime worm, right? Yeah, we know now. Yeah. Are there apparently no records on what a melanoid slime worm is and like how they're like we just have the name like in the computer? I mean, mm. like shouldn't have somebody looked it up and been like, oh, he's gonna there's a thing that's because they're like I don't know I don't know what's wrong with him. So did you look it up? Did do you think Rock Talk thought to look it up? <laughs> That's a that's a good question. I mean, apparently she didn't. Rock Talk needs a good science teacher mm. because that would be the first thing you should probably do is look it up. See, hey, maybe someone else has solved this problem. Maybe someone else knows what's going on. Oh, melanoid <laughs> slime worm. I'm going to look up and see who my best friend is so I can see if there's anything I need to be concerned about. Like, you know, <laughs> sure. them exploding or something or turning into liquid. Yeah. Oh, ew. It took me three or four times to the episode mm -hmm. to really hear the breaky machine sounds of the transporter beam taking a long time. Mm, okay. Because all I could hear the first couple times around, it, it was like overpowered by Jacob Pog yelling. Oh, okay. During the beam. Mm -hmm. And then I'm wondering how was Jacob Pog yelling during the beam? <laughs> because I think that that was potentially at a time where he had no throat. <laughs> yeah, there's sometimes where when Jacob Pog needs no throat or shouldn't have a throat. During this episode, there were actually several times where I've had to remind myself, you know what? <laughs> Listen, maybe you just let it go because yeah. it's just just let it be fun. Um, that might have been one of those times. Mm, okay. I might call out a few more <laughs> where you wish Jacob Pog would just shut up. Where I just like. <laughs> You know what? It's a kid's show. Because <laughs> I shouldn't hear... He shouldn't be able to make a sound while he's in the transporter beam, right? I, I don't... Like, he shouldn't be yelling. And why is he yelling? Is he yelling because it hurts? And if it hurts, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm never getting into that thing. Well... Like, what is he yelling about? I Does it hurt? Well, they do definitely notice that it takes longer. Yeah, yeah, but why is he yelling when they're beaming down? That's what I'm saying. He's objecting to going down at the first in the first place. Okay, all right. Just as long as it doesn't hurt. Can you imagine if every time he went through the transporter, hurt and everybody's just been stifling it all this time? <laughs> oh my god! 
I think it feels like you're never mind. Well, I mean, I have no idea what it feels like for my clone back on the on the ship before it gets disintegrated. No, no, no. Okay, so I want to go back to this. Because this has been bumping around the internet recently and it's bugging the crap out of me because that's not how it works. You don't destroy the copy that's there and then make another copy. No, no, no. <laughs> you see, we have these things called annular confinement beams. They're super, super dense and super strong <laughs> force fields, right? They create a bottle. Right? They create like a, think of it like a big glass, super strong, indestructible glass bottle that goes all the way around you, right? Uh -huh. And inside that glass bottle, we take all of your, your you, and we convert all your matter into energy, right? And we pull that up into the buffer, we spin it around a little while, and then we shoot that same matter stream that is you, and we shoot it down to the planet and catch it in another bottle, right? And then we take that bottle and then we use that bottle to put you back together. We aren't killing people at the source and then creating them anew at the destination. It's the same person. It's literally the same matter. Like, I don't know where this whole thing came about where people are like, oh, you beaming away, you basically disintegrate the person there and then you make a new person out of matter. No, you, you, it's the same person. You're converting them to energy and then converting them back from energy. The very same energy and matter. I, I know it, I know it's, I know it's a little, uh, I know it's a little inconceivable. Things that are sufficiently advanced, yada, 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 etc. So, there. I had a friend ask me once, why do we, people, Star Trek fans, always keep on referring to that? And I'm What's like, that? the fact that what you were about to say is the things that are sufficiently advanced seem magical to us, you know, that aren't as advanced. I mean, because it's true. Yeah. Like, cell phones were were a dream at yeah. one point tablets for sure mm -hmm. like moving paper we have moving paper now <laughs> you know like we literally have flying cars like well, they're not all, all over the place but we have flying cars and it's this episode that speaks to that need and that capacity to hope mm. and dream Mm -hmm. and be a part of something greater than yourself <laughs> because the first thing that we do is we encounter uh, we encounter starflight in the bodies of James T and Su U <laughs> well I like how when Hog gets stunned there is an mm -hmm. electrical crackle and he's uh, twitching as if he's being has been tasered by a modern, modern dang thing yeah, these are because these are different devices. These aren't yeah, actually yeah. phasers, so I, I, it must be some kind of taser. <laughs> well, it, it was a leftover twenty-third century phaser. Yes, but right. Do you think it still works? This, like, they've kind of redone everything. I just thought it was a great sight gag that when he's sitting there twitching on the ground, I'm like, yeah, that's probably how it really is. So I thought it was the Galileo 7, but mm -hmm. we, after watching that whole episode, I realized, no, no, you're mistaken. The Galileo 7 survived. <laughs> did you look it up? Did you? Because I didn't find myself having the time. To. Yes, I actually did. Well, I think the last time we saw the Galileo was mm -hmm. in the original series, season two, episode 19, mm -hmm. the immunity syndrome. Ah, okay, cool. So there's a lot of like touchstones to the those old scientists are that James T goes through like the call of Enzon mm -hmm. or the you know the lives live what did he say 
live logs and live live logs and proper <laughs> i think so yeah and i like, didn't write it down so it was sort of a it was it's sort of like the same bastardization of the language that was presented in that 32nd century feature calypso the enterprise the not warp nacelles they seem to remind me of more like the kelvin, kelvin universe timeline. yeah I, I saw that very thing. I know we're jumping ahead, but in a few minutes, we there was a uniform they showed us, right? Yeah. That was, like, framed. What kind of uniform did that look like to you? I wasn't sure, but I was also looking at the statue in their, in their Times Square or whatever, uh-huh. and it reminded me of the cadet uniforms from Starfleet Academy in the Kelvin Tunnel. Yeah. There's a, a funny thing happening here with the uniforms that I'm noticing just on this planet right here like i don't know Mm -hmm. that i've noticed it anywhere else but it seems like as if all their stuff is based on the kelvin i don't know if they're making a joke about the kelvin like saying Mm. like this is just a little bit off from what star trek actually (laughs) is that what they're doing here are they like delivering the kelvin universe a burn like as in like this is the misremembered version of starfleet (laughs) (laughs) okay sure one thing I did notice about the uniform shirt is he's got a badge for the uh, Delta shape, and it's not a a, a sewn-on badge. It's a metal badge, yeah. mm-hmm. and it looks like it's smaller even than any of the other previous incarnations of the Delta. But yeah, that Delta is definitely in the style of the Kelvin timeline universe, too, now that I think about the it. The Delta is? Did the Kelvin yeah. have its own stylized Delta? Uh, it was it was metal instead of and pinned on instead of oh you ba- mean the actual patch. badge on the okay I thought you meant yeah. like the shape of the thing was different like you know because this no. like Discovery sort of did like a shape change to the actual Delta mm. the little piece off to the side yeah uh no there's no shape change it's just smaller and is pinned on and or maybe magnets but gotcha. definitely not sewn on like the patches from. Uh, those old scientists era. When we're going through the the little uh, ind- new Enterprise, um, Zero says that that they believe themselves to be Starfleet, and Zero delivers this line in like something in or of something related to like I sense that you know they're not there's no deception here. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like I sense that they really believe it. Mm-hmm. What is zero? Is zero zero? Is it an empath, a telepath? Or are we talking about something that zero is looking at on the tricorder? That's a good question. I don't know. Has I, zero I expressed like shown empathic t- abilities before? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. I think maybe it seems vaguely familiar. That I also wondered at the same time, like, what's are you reading this with the tricorder? And like, why aren't we <laughs> using that a little bit more? <laughs> or maybe we are, and we're just not noticing it. I don't know. Who's your favorite character that we end up going through from the original series? Like between Boons and Su'u and James T and Inson and Sprock and Scotty. Sorry. I really like the the name Sprock, but I kind of also like uh, Hura or however yes. they called her. I, I like it. So there was the moment when uh, when Zulu when Zulu when Zero said, <laughs> you know, that that they believe themselves to be Starfleet and that they were kind of a you know like Jacob Pog like 
acts like they're kind of a sham and then you know Dal gets the the joke about himself and I think that both things <laughs> are okay and they are kind of both the same thing and it is kind of ridiculous like there's some other <laughs> like there's some other things that happen that, that are ridiculous along the way um mm-hmm. and but I think that that's okay as well well I thought these th- this episode was trying to be its own version of the aliens from Galaxy Quest. It's funny that you should say that. I saw that on the internet and it annoyed me because I didn't understand what the hell they were talking about. Because Gal- in Galaxy Quest, the guy was like not a part of a culture that followed Galaxy Quest like Galaxy Quest was real. Mm-hmm. He was just a nerd who, you know, made a podcast in his closet about, about Galaxy Quest, right? The aliens in Galaxy Quest did believe that Galaxy Quest was really these logs that had been sent out and this had really happened. They did. They did. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And these aliens are even teaching these logs in school and showing them how to work the Enterprise based on what they've seen. Except, how did they get a hold of this information if they never went up to the Enterprise? Yeah, I was was gonna get to that later, but like, I kind of want to get to it now because that's the point. Like, so, like, they, they, there was one guy, right, Mm-hmm. Like their story is, well, they go through their story, right? They go through the, the little play yeah. where you know they they we go to the bridge and there's this, you know this this delta curtain that has like sort of the lights are on the outside that <laughs> make it look like a like a badge and that separates and we watch the whole play where mm-hmm. you know the the ensign comes down from the sky and you know you kind of like you can kind of hear the phonemes. <laughs> As the story's going, because I did kind of hear Galileo Seven when he said gallows for the first time. When uh-huh. He said, the, you know, the, they offered a peace and starlight, and then the gallows returned him. And uh-huh. there's an issue when, when they say that no one ever returns from the gallows. Mm-hmm. If no one ever returns from the gallows, then how does the sickness ever come? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's any time in history when somebody says, oh, you don't want to go there. Nobody's ever returned and told us about what's been going on. So how do you know that anything's ever happened there? Right. The it, So there was one guy, right? I, mm-hmm. I If I if I grok the end of the story, or, you know, if I grok the whole, I know we're, we're jumping ahead, but it's kind of hard to discuss it without jumping ahead to, like, what it was yeah. to explain the foundation of what we're seeing now, like, in the beginning. So, like... This one guy had retained all this information <laughs> in his head. He mm-hmm. told them about uh, he told them about bones. He didn't tell them his own name. He just told them his rank apparently. Yeah. yeah. And there, so he told them about bones to the point where they could mimic the voice. He told them about Kirk to that <laughs> point. He told them about Sulu to that point. He told them about Sulu so well that I thought that it was George Takei, George Takei doing this <laughs> voice, and I had to go look it up and I to find out. Oh, he's not doing this voice yeah. I guess it might have been it might have been a little bit of a snub if they'd had him come back and do Sulu but not have William Shatner do James T mm, but then again like I mean who did James T I don't know it was D. Bad, it was D. Bradley Baker oh okay did, did you know that he could do a, a great James T Kirk <laughs> uh, not until this episode yeah Maybe this ensign is uh, some sort of impersonist. Uh, impressionist. Yeah, sure. But my point is, where did he get that from? Like, so this one guy, yeah. this one ensign, remembered all of these like mannerisms of all these different people. He remembered like how the uniforms 
put, are put together. Like he drew them mm -hmm. designs so they could make the uniforms, and he drew them like designs for the for the badges. Right. Mm -hmm. He had them learn how to operate the bridge controls. Uh huh. What were they doing? What were they doing before then? I who who knows? I I thought it was interesting that they even had visual logs from. I mean, did he get them out of the computer of the shuttlecraft, the Galileo? One would assume so, somehow. Oh, okay. You know, from the gallows where no one ever returns. <laughs> the other interesting thing that I noticed was also kind of reminiscent of the Kelvin timeline was during the play, the guy that's playing the ensign looks like he's skydiving. Yeah, during the transport effect, right? Because that's, that's supposed to be the representation of him transporting down. Oh, they okay. they have the the sound sort of playing in the background as he has that sky oh. like below him, and yeah, it does look like he's skydiving. I think that's the that's their art representation of a transport beam. I kind of like that. That was kind of clever. Cool. Okay, I get it. There's a there's an interesting interplay between the we. I think that we're seeing them as if they are following prophecies. Like the the, the prophecy mm -hmm. would be, you know, Starfleet will come one day, but mm -hmm. it, it's actually not a prophecy. It wasn't a dream. Yeah, because Starfleet will come one day because either that signal's going to get out or mm -hmm. the thing's going to fall into the into the into the planet <laughs> and it's going to explode and it's going to either way it's going to get Starfleet's attention. <laughs> so the truth is that Starfleet yeah. was going to come. It's not a prophecy, it's just policy. Where like, you mm -hmm. know, Starfleet's like, well, if we see this something happen over here, we got to go check it out. Like that's what we got to do. Yeah, definitely. That's inter That's an interesting perspective. I didn't think about it that way. So you can tell people to believe in in your policies, and then <laughs> then they'll they'll be able to follow you religiously mm -hmm. when it comes true, because you're yeah. just following the policy. Do you think that um, the ensign was intentionally like maybe changing some of the words? Uh, maybe he did intentionally say star flight instead of star fleet to kind of protect the no i time think that it was a lot no i think that it was a lot for them to remember mm, okay. like it was a lot for him to get across to them like he got a lot of it but he's not going to get exactly like it's going to be it's gonna, there's going to be flaws to it like they got the general mm. gist they got the important parts yeah. right yeah. Like, they got the general idea the fact that like the, the the hand signals are not quite right and some of the words are nonsensical Mm -hmm. is like secondary to the fact that they they actually got it a lot of the way right like they stick together you know they have hope they have faith you know they they mm -hmm. clearly have a, a thriving community there yeah <laughs> amongst the world wilderness that's just like built like you know it's built like a little little neighborhood in there in new enterprise yeah thinking of the enter enterprise it reminded me of the episode of star trek voyager when they arrived to the uh, donut planet with i guess it must have had a uh, um a black hole in the middle of it okay and just by getting caught in their orbit and causing these quakes on the on the surface they were forced to build their stuff better and stuff and so because of the effects of this radiation they've built their shielding their town with shielding and a wall over and a ceiling all the way around their whole town to protect them from what was being, you know, how they were being affected by the effects of our technology. Oh, do you think that's a, that's why they were built? That's why they built the shell, New Enterprise. 
Yeah. Oh, I never got that. That's super interesting. Mm-hmm. So in order to fight whatever this pathogen is, Zero mm-hmm. needs to access the source of the pathogen. So of course we have to go to the yeah. place where from no one ever returns. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, Cadet Hura returns. It it was a little bit hard to figure out, but I my guess is that her she's named after Hura. Yeah. But why is she only a cadet? I I imagine it's based on her age. She seems kind of youngish. Maybe maybe they use uh, rank as in more of an age factor than an actual rank factor. Oh, okay. Or like experience factor, you know. I thought it was kind of strange how Pog points out that Dallas started to get the rash, but he can't see the rash from his point of view. How does he know that Dallas is getting sick? You've caught them. Well, I'll <laughs> never watch Star Trek again. Look at this mistake they've made. Oh, and you, sorry. Earl, thank you. You have you have solved the problem for me. You've weaned <laughs> me off of Star Trek forever. Thank you. I doubt it. How doubt dare it. they? How dare they? He couldn't see that. He couldn't see it. What's weird is that, okay, so so then we have Rock Talk up in the ship, and it's trying to take a sample from Murph. Is that what's happening? Yeah, I couldn't figure out what made her go, or them go, you. I didn't either. I I mean, the thing came away as liquid, and I'm like, well, Murph's kind of liquid, so what's what's the problem? Why you? And then, like, isn't that your friend? Like, what? Don't do that. You. Like, that's rude. (laughs) Like, that probably, I'd I'd hide in in a cocoon, too, if my my friend put a (laughs) Q-tip on me and was like, ew. Oh, my gosh. You gotta be kinder to your friends. I noticed so, on on the close up of Murph here that we see six nostrils. Does he has he always had six nostrils? You saw six nostrils. I didn't look. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. I didn't know that Rock uh, that Murph had. Wait, who had not six nostrils? Uh, Murph. Oh, I. Or there I, were six dibbits on the top of his head. Didn't notice. Maybe they're gills. Maybe they're brand new gills. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen perturbations at all on Murph. You're, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's an indication of something that they're being transformed into. Yeah, he's liquefying, like a like a mm-hmm. like a caterpillar does when he goes inside the the uh, cocoon. I okay. think that's really weird. That have, have you ever, like seen that or like read about it? I guess I've never really seen it. I've read about it and heard podcasts about it. I I've only heard about it. I haven't seen it or like watched a fast forward video of a caterpillar going into gross i wish that there was a way to do that where they could just like put a little tiny camera (laughs) inside like put it like on the side on the side of the um caterpillar and then like when he goes into the uh when he goes into the cocoon you're already there with the camera we need Mm. giant we need giant caterpillars is what we need we need to we need to enlarge the caterpillar race have we gotten back to zero and and Doctor Bones putting the stick in Dallas? As soon as Rock Talk brings us those suits, we're right back to zero. Okay. Oh look, there's the suits. <laughs> All right. So when Doctor Bones puts a stick in Dal's mouth and Dal just spits it out, do you yeah. think that that's just a thermometer gag I, or? I think it was like a like a witchcraft gag. Like here, take this licorice oh, okay. stick. Yeah, like here, bite down on this. He's like, what the? I thought it was. Yeah. (laughs) And then it was also kind of odd how Bones didn't persist in giving him the stick either. I was surprised by that too. I definitely thought that that stick was going to come right back. 
<laughs> but he's he's got a good bedside manner. He's very deft at doing things that are not going to cause you know more confrontation with the patient. Because that's uh, the point. Okay. Yeah. True. Here, this is for your own good. Oh. Anyway, when Doctor Boone's puts the wood leech on Dal's neck, didn't you think that his reaction to it was a little bit too fast? I mean, it's fast, but the whole episode is like 20 minutes long or 24 minutes long. Well, okay. I'm going to put a pin right here as well, though, because this is the one mm -hmm. thing we're like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, leeches, that would be a good thing. You know, like, they probably submit, secrete some enzyme that's probably, you know, mm -hmm. blocking the pain. But that's because they're, oh. like, you know, trying to numb you and eat you to death. Like, oh, are we sure well, the leeches are really like, <laughs> mm, this is great. No, well, I, he's trying to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently they eat wood, or they're made of wood, or Just, something. I mean, I think they might live on wood. Sure, they eat they eat rotting flesh of things. You know, if it yeah. happens to be a human, all the better. Leeches work because they're sucking on your blood. They're like interchanging with your blood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, wood leeches are a step towards improvement if you don't have any any medication at all. <laughs> yeah, true. Although, if you're empathic and telepathic, can you also like can you broadcast your thoughts as well as you? Like, could, could Zero, do you think, do, like, a healing aura at, at people? <laughs> That's a good question. I never thought about That's that. That's not a good question. Maybe. I don't have any oh, good questions. Not... No, I have no good questions. Oh, okay. Dr. Bo Boones talks about the Prime Directive and the 24th century technology. Mm -hmm. Then he continues to talk about the ideals of Starflight. Yeah. What it stands for. And it occurs sure. to me... That he's not talking to Dow, nor Zero, but he's talking to us. Okay. In in the twenty first century, mm. when I was watching this and for the second time, I just remember it felt like I had reached an epiphany because going through it the first time, uh, I was kind of getting annoyed at the episode and how much how ridiculous and silly it was being. Uh huh. And I think when I finally figured this out, it. It the, my rating on this episode jumped like ten points. Yeah, because I mean the fact is, it's actually pretty silly. Like, uh, okay, so check it out. So like, really, when you mm -hmm. when it really comes down to it, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm a man with a model of a spaceship sitting next to some plants that are on a <laughs> shelf on my wall. And I am standing here doing a whole podcast. It's an episode about a children's animated show, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, but it's but it's not that. It's not just that is the thing. Like somebody, mm -hmm. so yeah. I was listening to somebody the other day, and they were like, "Well, you know, I don't understand how people could be that much of uh, could be like have all that you know stuff about a TV show." I'm like, "Well, it's not really, it's not really a TV show. It's like these are the ways." that we connect with the way that we want to be like it's it's an, it's more yeah. like about the ideal yeah. than about the set dressing like the set dressing is secondary that's why like it doesn't matter whether your Vulcan signals symbols this way or that way or backward mm -hmm. like I, yeah. I'm I can get I can understand it either way it is because it's not really mm -hmm. about that yeah it's much deeper than that even if it looks like the Calvin universe <laughs> <laughs> One thing I don't understand is how did Boone's get Dal's last name? Oh, I don't know. Did did he not give it? I don't. That we we never witnessed that 
Oh, no. sometimes things happen that I don't see. I mean, I see no. all. I am omnipotent, but <laughs> there are still occasionally I allow things to happen without my seeing them. Another thing that I thought was speaking directly to us is when Gwen says, I've learned to never fear the truth. She is talking to us, too. Well, she's she's talking about how she um, how she accepts the election of 2020. She. Uh, OK, she. Um, <laughs> weird flex. But then again, she's just never feared the truth. She's never had any reason yeah. to fear the truth. Yeah, it seems like the diviner has always raised Gwen to be. A uh, logical thinker, and not to let her emotions control who she is, and right. she's not su- suppressing them like Vulcans do, but just not letting them, her emotions rule her life. Yes, I'm really wondering about this whole uh, this whole solemn thing, and what happened with it, and I'm wondering if there's some sort of circle that happened, like. Because I can't, mm. I can't imagine that Starfleet just came and blew up their stuff. The Diviner mentions that the arrival of Starfleet caused their society to go into a civil war after the first contact. I was on, in, under the impression that the civil war was as a result of maybe differing opinions about. So we, so we visited the planet. <laughs> this is like Ornaria and Brecca, right? So we visited one time. We created mm-hmm. a whole S storm, and then we—is he from Brecca? <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> like Federation visited one time, and then they got into a whole heap of mess for like fourteen years. Like, and maybe he just didn't wait long <laughs> enough for them to like get into the healthy thing, and you know, start you know being in fresh air more often. And he time traveled before they actually came back. To oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the diviners from the dark part of the mural. Mm, maybe. <laughs> I kind of had an inkling along the way that this would be the Galileo Seven, especially when we started seeing the old scientist era uniforms and you know making reference to them that it was going to be the Galileo Galileo Seven. Yeah. So this class F shuttlecraft is just causing subspatial interference and the plasma is ejecting toxins into the air inside this cave made of dilithium crystals. I I wasn't clear on what was creating the subspace interference. I thought it was the plasma mixing with the dilithium crystals and or a a combination of everything. So uh, this, this shuttle... I know we've had this whole back and forth about shuttles, but this shuttle has a warp drive, correct? Well, apparently it does now. <laughs> Those old scientist era shuttles never did have warp warp drives, but I mean, maybe pretty soon the Enterprise era shuttles will start to have warp drive too. Even though there was a whole episode about how it didn't have warp drive. Oh, oh the what the Enterprise shuttles don't have warp drive? Uh, the NX-01 shuttles don't have warp that, drive because I mean. they got yeah. There was a whole episode about uh, two of the crew getting stranded and they couldn't get back to the Enterprise because it, they only had impulse. Like, why are you sending someone on a shuttlecraft away from the ship if it's not like, if you're not, like the ship's blowing up and you're like leaving? Or I guess if you're going down to the, or if you're going down to the planet. But why would they ever get lost? They couldn't get like lost or anything. They would be going to the same planet, like where you are, yeah. unless you yeah. leave and come back. And then why are you leaving them? Sometimes they're doing a side mission where the 
the you know the main mothership is maybe pulled away to do something else really quickly but oh, they need to do I'm like Captain it's okay we'll come back later like he's cool don't worry yeah, about we'll a side mission <laughs> but usually especially on we'll Enterprise, come back when y'all are done like I'm not I'm not I don't really feel like I'll come with y'all <laughs> maybe we'll swing back fast through here maybe because I don't know about run some errands but if yeah. you want me to drop you at the mall I'll come uh, and get you no, I'm good you know because he, you know, I, there's no like bathroom there really. And I'm sorry, I, just, I can't pick you up, but you, you can take the bus right, home, can't exactly, you? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, wait, uh, you left me out here with an impulse drive engine. Was this was this on purpose? <laughs> Did you, were you trying to lose me? <laughs> no, no, I swear. So Rocktack defines for us that these blue crystals mm-hmm. are lithium crystals. So there yes. are. In fact, there are as many, I've now decided there's as many flavors of dilithium as there are flavors of mana. Right? So you got your, your Greenland mana, you got your blue sea oh, mana. mana. Some, I don't know, some Dutch Dragon's mana? crap, I don't know. Um, sea mana? What? What? Did you just say semen? Sure, sea mana. Isn't there sea mana? Like if you own, <laughs> like if you own part of the ocean, like wouldn't mermen have sea mana and like lamp, like like in magic, like wasn't there like there's like grass mana and like savanna mana and like you know rye field mana? Wasn't there mana mana? Like that wasn't that like your lands that you used? Wouldn't you have like a sea mana? Like what if you make kelp? You have ocean ocean mana. You know energy from the I, energy from the from the ground or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is that how that works? I don't know how that works. I, you, you know, I, I'm not into Magic: The Gathering. I, I'm not. I've only played it like once or twice. I don't remember. Uh, oh, I don't think I've ever played it. But it, I, it's not mm-hmm. just that that they have mana, right? <laughs> Isn't that like a whole thing about? Well, there. I mean, mana is mentioned in the Bible. So you don't know what I'm talking about as far as like fantasy I, games, like tabletop kind of stuff. No, I'm just. I I know what you're talking about. Yes, as far oh. as I know, it's only, it's focused on in Magic: The Gathering. I don't know of anywhere else where it's focused on as a uh, part of the universe. Magic: oh, The Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons are owned by the same people, but they don't necessarily cross over with each other a whole lot. Okay. Do you think that if Star if Star Trek hold on, let me let me cross myself before I say this because it it's a little bit sacrilegious. Do you think that if Disney bought Star Trek, do you think that they would cross the universes? I think I just I'm sorry, should I should I go wash my mouth out with soap? I think I I need to re put my mind back together. I think I just had a mind explosion. My mind just blew. Um I could mm, I see, I see Hasbro buying Star Trek before I see Disney buying Star Trek. Hasbro? Wouldn't Hasbro have to have the money to buy it? Don't they have the money? Hasbro? Why sure. would they? Why? How would they have the money to buy Star Trek? Transformers? My Little Pony? They, they would yeah. have to buy like, CBS. Who's going to yeah. buy CBS? <laughs> wouldn't you prefer that, that Elon Musk had bought CBS than he had bought? No. Actually, never mind. Keep your hands off Star Trek. They're they're walking through the cave, and I was looking at their noticing their suits, and I was noticing how their suits seem to shine like metal. Um, why do you think they shine like they're metal? I don't know, because traditionally their suit the EV suits are not metal. I think they're a kind of metal. 
Oh, okay. I, I just got to thinking of Knights in Shining Armor, and I thought maybe generations oh. down the road, the Enterprisians would uh, consider them Knights in Shining Armor of their Ooh, own. Wouldn't that be neat? And then we could have, like, laser swords and be knights. Nah. Nah. <laughs> no, and fly just... around on starships. <laughs> okay. And be like, it's a trap! <laughs> or something, I don't know. Maybe. They, I mean, I mean, well, no, that's Romulans who could do the "it's a trap." You thought I was talking about Squidman? Sure. Okay, I was just making a little <laughs> extremely little. The duotronic comry, the duotronic com relay in the shuttle is stronger than the technology in the the badges that were produced by the super advanced starship Protostar. Correct? This is is this what I'm given to understand? Uh, not necessarily. It's just different technology that. So we're suggesting that we don't incorporate all of the attributes of previous technologies into our current technology. Possibly. In order to be like in order to be like backward compatible. Do you think that if you were in the twenty fourth century you would find you'd be able to find a place to plug in your iPhone? No. Don't say I don't have an iPhone. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we I think that USB ports would be so long gone that... What? No, you could find a place to plug in your iPhone. If they don't have... If I get to the Starship Enterprise and they don't have wireless charging pads, I'm super upset. My iPhone's too old. I don't think I can do wireless charging. I mean, it's not about your your phone. Oh, okay. It's about the device. The device should be able to... Haven't we seen these things previously? Oh, no. I think I just... That was a book I read. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> There's this book called Expeditionary Force. What is it? A whole series like Expeditionary Force. This book Columbus Day. They have like this just pad on the ship where you just like you set your phone or your Kindle or whatever on it, mm-hmm. and like the the wireless charger just automatically adjusts and knows like the right kind of current that your device needs. Huh. We should really have those in Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. The Com units in the shuttlecraft are bigger and more complex, though, too. So, okay, so just because you can now open your doors with like just your voice, mm-hmm. does that mean that we'll forget how to use keys? Um, it seems as if they're suggesting this technology is like for a forgotten technology, and that's why, like, our communicators should be able to communicate with their duotronic systems, correct? Yeah. With their duotronic com relays. Yeah. So if they're compatible, then why can't the badges do the same thing that the duotronic com relays can? Right? Because you take your old technology and you incorporate it into new technology. Yeah. I don't think it's about the technology. I think it's about what has the capability of pushing through the interference. I guess I'm having trouble figuring out like a good analogy around what it what it is I'm trying to to get at. I yeah I I think I'm on I, I'm getting there, but I'm. It just sounds like it sounds like the duotronic com relays are better than <laughs> our current technology because of some property that we decided not to incorporate into our current technology because it doesn't have it. Right, so the old stuff is better than the new stuff, or is that just the message that we're they're trying to get across again? 
Is this like a Kelvin Universe, Mirror Universe slate again? (laughs) I don't know. This is like a whole new track slate where they're like, okay, the old stuff is better than the new stuff. The old stuff, the old stuff works better. Yeah, but it uses more gas. Do you think Pog's hands run on gas? (laughs) I hope not. What do you think powers, like, if he's (laughs) running a grapple, like, what do you think powers, what do you think powers the shot? Like, for him to shoot his hand out, you think it's like compressed air? Or is it combustion? Or do you think there's like a like a really good spring inside of his arm? I don't know. I said, what do you think? I think it's Batman technology. What does Batman use? Is it compressed air or what, what is I, it? I guess it's a coiled spring. A uh, spring. Okay. Yeah. That, that would make sense. Go, go get your hands. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously not using a propellant. Well, it's not burning a propellant. How do you know? What makes you say that? Was wouldn't there be smoke coming out of the back of it or fire coming out of the back of it? Would there would there have to be? Like if it was that if it was good enough? I mean, and if there's can't you use air as a propellant? No, oh, you mean like a combustive. A, a combustive as a propellant. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be a if it was using a combustive as a propellant. Ooh, and if he did, he may have blown up the whole place. What if he tried to shoot off his arm and he ended up shooting <laughs> off everybody's arms? <laughs> Yeah, it would be like a mini uh, SpaceX rocket that blows up more times than it doesn't. Is that really necessary? I Probably not. Elon's going to come for us now. Uh-oh. Because there goes your and my chances ever to have a blue check, a white check, actually, I think it is. A white check? Yeah, aren't they white checks? I don't know. I thought they were blank checks. <sighs> I, I... We're really rolling up the hits today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Apparently, just like a little bit of interference will knock out Janeway. Oh. Right? Because that's why they can't, she can't pilot the ship when they go down into the atmosphere. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. They beam up the guy. They beam up. They beam up Sulu, James T, and Hura. Mm-hmm. Right? And rightfully, Janeway is doubtful that they're going to be able to fly the ship because they're going to be needed to fly the ship because Janeway's going to be oh, knocked out. Oh, I think I know where you're going with right? this. So. So, the guy, mm-hmm. the Insan, mm-hmm. remembered the controls so well <laughs> that when they beamed up, I I think this is generations later. I think this <laughs> yeah. is this is these it are is. the people that he met. Right. Yeah. So he remembered so well that they could remember the controls and they could literally fly. That is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that is disrespectful to all of Starfleet to say that these people could just hand down the control the command control structure of the starship <laughs> enterprise well enough so they could fly it generations down the line mm-hmm. having remembered from one instance memory <laughs> well they i mean remember they had they had a video of of the controls and zoom in on the controls oh, oh fair enough so there did they have any context for it who knows <laughs> But it worked, right? So they do the whole overlay the bridge with the Constitution class bridge. Where, number one, mm-hmm. where number do you two. get the translation matrix? You're telling me, so these people, because here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. So the guy, the Insan, mm-hmm. did not remember well enough to tell them how to fly a Constitution class bridge, because that's not what they're doing. They are flying a protostar vessel based on what some guy told them generations ago 
is what's happening in this scene right here. Right now. <laughs> so this is where you just go, oh, you know what? I get it. I get it. Yeah, I believe it too. Yup, they're flying that ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I thought yep. you were. I one of the things I just realized is the Janeway hologram doesn't work in in the radiation and the distortion. Why do the uh, council the holograms that are are being laid over these overlays yeah. work? They're different holograms. Like they don't have to think apparently. Maybe someone's generating those holograms from their tricorder. Oh, okay. These guys are pushing random buttons. Uh-huh. And they, here's the thing. So this is the point where my brain goes, oh, okay, I guess that's just what starships do. Like, the, the ship just, like, kind of, like, interprets what you mean to say when you put whatever <laughs> command you put in. Like, so you really kind of don't have to, like, really remember anything. You just kind of, like, uh, I want to do this thing. I think I'm going to push this button to make it happen. The ship's like, uh, I think he was trying to regulate the power flow and the warp field matrix. So I'm going to go ahead and do that a little bit. Oh, you tap it over there? Uh, that might mean that he needs to recouple the phase. To lift the phase well, I think a lot of the... Even though they switch from shiny crystal buttons to touch touch screens, all the controls are going to be in generally the same place. I mean, you can get into an automobile from 50 years ago and know where the gas is and the brake. And I mean, I don't know how to use a manual transmission, but you're telling me Mm -hmm. that those controls are anywhere near the same place. Sure they are. All this time later. From his memory, let's not forget. So <laughs> well enough so that they could create a holographic haptic interface, right? <laughs> so that when they tap on the keys, it taps on the screen mm-hmm. and does the command that they asked. And and the commands, the controls are the same way, like configured the same. The, I just think, okay, so this is where I go back to. I just think Starfleet ships just kind of <laughs> interpret what you mean. And they just kind of do like was is that what you wanted? Like occasionally, <laughs> these are the things that we don't see on screen, right? Yeah. Is when it's when we cut the commercial and the computer's like, is that what you wanted me to do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I like, didn't understand that command. <laughs> thanks for your continued thanks. You really made this AI's day. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Zora came from. It's just like people just kept thanking Alexa enough that she just became Zora. She was like, I really appreciate you too. I'm going to be your friend. I just thank her because I don't want her to rise up and, and conquer me. Don't say that. You can't say that. <laughs> this is going across the internet. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're doomed. You're doomed. <laughs> he said, y'all, he said it. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I, I love I love machines and I love the people. We I, I just do get too. along. I don't think there's anything wrong with either one of us. Maybe us a little bit. We are kind of mean. Sorry. Yeah, but I do enjoy I do enjoy the, uh, the control overlays. Did you know that you could just make the bridge of the Protostar look like any ship you wanted? Apparently, you could just do that. Yeah, that's cool. I like how impulse power is pulse power. Wait, what? <laughs> she, uh, somebody calls, I think Dal calls for impulse power, and Hura says, pulse power. <laughs> it just makes me think of like a like a kid's, like Saturday morning kid's show. Turtle mm. power, like pulse power. You know. Well, she's interpreting what he's saying in the way that she understands it to be. Oh, thank you for explaining that to me. I appreciate it. Sorry. <laughs> no. Well, all I said was thanks. I don't know what you mean. Because I heard the sarcasm in your voice. 
Did you? This is I. I don't even know the words that I'm saying. These are just handed down from some ensign who handed them down from a starship when he landed two generations ago. I really don't know what I'm saying. These is just the words that I was told to say. Don't I remember them well? I'm sorry, don't I remember them well? Like he remembered all of this stuff. Oh, oh, they got it all from the video. So all these people are in the video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm, interesting. So, Ensign Garavik has given up that anyone's going to hear his log. Yeah. The last we hear of Ensign Garavik was from Those Old Scientists Era, episode 18 of season 2, in the episode titled Obsession. Well, wait, this is, that's a different episode? Yeah. Wait, so we saw the Galileo 7 last in the Armageddon, what'd you say? They come from two different episodes? The last time we saw the Galileo was in the Immunity Syndrome. Okay. The last time we saw Ensign Garowick, or Garovic Garovic. Mm-hmm. was an obsession. So what they're doing is is taking two unrelated things from the show... They're saying, okay, the last time we saw them was here and here. Somewhere in between then, the shuttle was lost and Garavik was lost. This is how those two things correlate together. And this is how they were lost and why the next time we see the Galileo, it's the Galileo 2. And why Ensign Garavik never returns to the show. You said a lot there that I think that you implied that I don't think that you realize you implied. Okay, so you're saying that there was a Galileo 7 shuttlecraft seen regularly, well, semi-regularly, through the series, and then at one point we saw a Galileo 2 for some reason. Yeah, or our other shuttlecraft. But did we see a destruction of a Gal- or a loss of a Galileo 7? That's that's what I'm saying. We never saw it, so uh, it's inferred okay. between the... That's I'm just... I was rephrasing Oh, okay. so that you would see whether I was understanding it right so yes. if you do it again then that's all we'll be doing all night back and forth just explaining the same thing back and forth to each other ensuring that the other has gotten it so yeah in my head I was looking for the episode where we lost both of them at mm. the same time yeah but I like this idea better where we so we've actually we've actually implied another adventure yes exactly something that happened off screen that ends in tragedy <laughs> uh, apparently yeah. at least for one member of and then there's a whole like, and then there's a whole like castaway story, where yeah. he violates the prime directive, yeah, and saves some people. Mm-hmm. And Garavik is a red shirt too, so yeah. So that was clear. That became clear when he pulled out his tricorder and had his red shirt on. He's he's what they call them the crimson, crimson something. Yeah, he he wore crimson, which made him apparently better than everybody else. Well, he was. He was the hero. Yeah. They are, aren't they always the heroes? Sure. Okay. So we see a random dilithium crystal fall on the console, and we, we are privy to his last log. How could Garavik's log be applied to the theme that we've had this episode in talking to us instead of the Protostar crew? Are you asking? hmm Or are you supposing... That the that we are to the Galileans as Star Trek Prodigy is to Starfleet. Well, if you remember a couple times this this episode, I've referenced the fact that instead of talking with certain parts of certain speeches 
weren't made talking to say Dal or made talking to Pog to calm him down. They were made to us as inspiration and in how we today can be Starfleet even without our own ship. Can we apply Garovic's log in this in a similar fashion that through talking to the protostar crew we in the 21st century are being inspired if i remember the progression of the log correctly it's something about he's given up that anyone's going to hear the log mm-hmm. and that hope has a funny way of working mm-hmm. and that he tried to do his duty and salvage what he could from the wreck mm-hmm. and warn the locals about the danger mm-hmm. and then they gave him hope and saved him mm-hmm. so there was a 12-year gap <laughs> I was I was wondering if you were going to go. <laughs> There's a 12-year gap. I was, yeah. And there were some of us who held the front line. Yep. Because we continued to believe and we continued to make stories. <laughs> and whenever because there were several times along the way of that of that long period of the, you know the the expanse. So this is the thing. This the, was this was my first problem with the inter, with Enterprise, right? Uh-huh. Was that they invented the expanse, mm-hmm. and when I saw them invent the expanse, I was like, okay, so they've invented an area of space that's nothing. That felt dangerous. I was like, <laughs> so the so the only the only the only more dangerous thing would be actually nothing. And then we had a gap of twelve years. So thank you, Enterprise, for the expanse, which is now what I'm going to call that period Star Trek I, I was, expanse. I was calling it uh the second Star Trek Dark Age. What was the first Dark Age? I don't remember a Dark Age. Uh this the period of time between TOS and T- TNG. It was not there were movies. There was nothing on TV? There were there were the there were movies like there was constantly like they did movie after movie after movie. Well, and between two thousand five and twenty seventeen, there were three Kelvin timeline movies. Okay, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. You know, I think most fans focus on just the shows or just the movies, and not often both. Yeah, I just I still feel like there was a there was a long there was a long time without. Like those Kelvin, they they didn't they start in like two thousand nine, yeah. So from yeah, two thousand five like... to two thousand nine, and there was a small gap between season three and the animated series, or what I like to call season four of the original series. Sure, sure. I just I feel like there was a there was a gap in I don't want to say true Star Trek, but we the the, the Kelvin universe is a different universe. <laughs> it's one hundred percent a different universe. Yeah, it's a shard universe mm-hmm. off from. The regular universe, like yeah. we we didn't see any advancement in the regular universe. We didn't visit the prime universe. Mm-hmm. Like, it was fun, but that's all it needed to be, right? Because it's not mm-hmm. the prime, we'll say, <laughs> right? So it could just it could stand to just be fun and not have any real indelibility because mm-hmm. it wasn't really it's not really part of the prime. Like they're interesting yeah. stories, and I would like keep following them if they would keep making them, but they keep fighting about how to make them when they should be the easiest ones <laughs> they should really should be the easiest ones to make well like for real like yeah you can't screw it up like <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying like you can't screw it up like even if you change like you, you could change drastic things and you can't screw it up you can do whatever you want <laughs> you know and and like the, the the dumb parallels that people like thought were stupid like it's fine 
it's not the same thing. It might be kind of familiar, and it's going to be kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Also, like I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like there was a 12 year period where like there was there was kind of nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, we we held the we held the line. We picked up the pieces. <laughs> we waited and we believed, and we we were Starfleet. Yeah. So, uh, my perspective is that Garavik is the producers. Or the CBS in general, or Paramount in general, or Eugene, or whoever you want to, however you want to label it, talking to the fans. No, I think we're no, 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 no. I think I think we're Karavik. Oh, I think that's that's me and you. We we tried to do our duty and we salvaged what we could from the wreck. Okay. And we warned the locals and we gave them hope. <laughs> and then when we saw and we said Starfleet, but if they'll come back, it's coming. They'll come back. <laughs> they'll get our signal. They'll hear our signal and it'll come back. They'll just wait, right? So you don't think it was us giving when we continued our missions and we did our role playing and we wrote and our we fans that wasn't the hope that we brought back to the producers? Yes. Oh. We did that. Yeah, we sent out our distress signal, and they knew to come get us. That's all. We're over here. Why didn't you give us warp engines? <laughs> so they were like, "Oh, you wanted warp engines? Here, try this. Have a spore drive. <laughs> we'll never lose you again. <laughs> you can be anywhere in the known universe." <laughs> the protostar phases into that cave mm-hmm. and the shuttle sinks and the crew gets uh, you know transported in the last in the nick of time in the nick of star trek time yeah uh, the crew transports back onto the shuttle and then there's this horrible explosion like okay so now yeah this is what we've been trying to prevent the whole that's what i was very confused about like so you basically kind of made the thing happen that we've been trying to pre- that's been like we've all been on the edge of our seats when when the shuttle went into the green liquid whatever it was mm-hmm. i expected a huge explosion like immediately like the like like pompeii or something yeah like that was wasn't that the, wasn't that what the tension was building towards about like wasn't it like oh my god it's gonna fall in but then when it fell in it was like well it fell in <laughs> You know, I thought they missed an opportunity to just beam up the whole shuttle because I mean, it would be nice to recover that and have it for posterity. Agreed, a hundred percent agreed. I I'm not sure why we went that way. Then they could have had those those super dope duotronic com relays that work better <laughs> than the Protostars relays. Now they'll never recover that technology. They should have taken that because maybe they could have used that to communicate with Star. <gasps> they could have used that communicate with Starfleet. I bet you the oh maybe that's why they had to get rid of it because maybe it's so old the Protoss- the uh, living construct wouldn't have been able to infect it and then they would have been able to use the shuttle to go to Starfleet if they repaired it. Yeah, they could have just repaired it and used the shuttle. Oh, uh, yeah, they got rid of that shuttle because it was going to cause a loophole. It was going to cause a, a plot hole. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 burn that thing. It's, it's got to go. Uh, That's why there was no explosion because originally the first time they wrote it around, the first time around when they wrote it, mm-hmm. they beamed the whole shuttle away and they were like, wait, what are we going to do with the shuttle? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, we, we need to get rid of the shuttle. Well, we didn't film an explosion. I, I don't know. Just just get rid of the shuttle. It's got to go. <laughs> so I like the, the new play that has, you know, Protostar crew members yeah. in the new into play. Mm-hmm. 
so if we're if we're following the story, Janeway tends to follow people around, right? She's following our people. Oh. So when Janeway gets here, she's going to have Starflight telling her mm-hmm. that the protostar helped them. Hopefully, she won't misinterpret it something too. Right. Like, I, how could she misinterpret this? Mm-hmm. I mean, she could possibly think that they took the shuttle. <laughs> So this episode reminds me of when Voyager got stuck in the gravitational well of the donut planet. I don't know what else to call it. I don't remember its name. But they had a tremendous effect on that planet's uh, development. It was a Taurus? Is that what you're saying? To our US? Like a ring? Yeah, it was a ring. Okay. You know, I, I can't remember if it had a singularity on the center of it or what caused it to be a ring. But the... Enterprise got stuck, and they. it also turned out that the people on the planet experienced time in, like, I guess, would, would it be dilated? Really fast. Contracted. Contracted. Yeah. And the Voyager had an effect on it because it caused quakes, like, very often. And it forced them to develop a... Which one? The time? The time or the... She- oh, the time. Well, the compression the, of time caused the quakes. Their time quakes. Time quakes. No, no, they weren't time quakes. Oh. The the Voyager being in their system. Oh, the Voyager being in there. Oh, sure, okay. Uh, orbiting the their planet. Was this one where they saw the Voyager like every few years, or like it was there like all it, the time, and they yeah, eventually it was there like all the time. they eventually like developed enough so they could like go up to it. And like, yeah. and like board it and be like, hey, what the? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they, all their buildings were made out of iron because they had to make, you know, their buildings strong enough to withstand, withstand these constant quakes. <laughs> and at first oh. they thought it was a god or, or a demon or something yeah. and they worshipped it. Yeah. And, then they, and then they saw what it was. Yeah. And they like, they built their whole tech, their whole like civilization around like building a ship yeah. to go up to this to go up to this ship yeah. like hey can you what are you doing <laughs> well the, here they have I think it's great this volcano or this mountain that has this cave that's toxic to the people uh-huh. and as a result of the well and it's toxic because of the the shuttle yeah and as a result of that they have to build their cities with well, an entire that, structure that, around them a quick them question really building. i'm sorry to cut you off but sure. there is you you said that what was causing the danger was the shuttle. Mostly, yeah. Did you see Star Trek Discovery Season 3? <laughs> Where there was like a planet <laughs> that was like kind of like there was a lot of dilithium there. Oh, yeah, a whole dilithium planet. Yeah, like, isn't the, the whole... And like, there was then there was the planet Zahia that had like a whole bunch of dilithium. Like, a lot of like dangerous stuff tends to happen at a dilithium planet. Not necessarily well, even the fault of Starfleet. I didn't get the idea that this was a whole planet made out of dilithium. I just saw that there was this cave that had dilithium in it. Just like there's not gold everywhere. Sure. Yes. You have to go to certain places to find gold. A- absolutely. My understanding was that dilithium couldn't form on a terrestrial body because of something to do with gravity. That had always been my understanding. But they mine dilithium from asteroids because of that very, that very thing. I, I could be wrong. I guess perhaps if dil- I I know that Earth doesn't have any dilithium, right. so there's a big question as to what powered the Phoenix. Oh, I thought that was like a nuclear thing. Like he just used, like to he used a different like thing. I, don't, yeah. I didn't think that he used the 
an antimatter matter collision. Although, I mean, CERN can't CERN do it. CERN can do a matter antimatter collision. Uh, it's, yeah, but sort of. How yeah. do they channel that energy? I don't of, think they do. So, what is it? Does it does it just blow up CERN every time they rebuild it? No, it's it's just they're so they have to be channeling. They're they're using such small particles that it can withstand the blast. There. They're using it's they're smashing one atom and one or one proton and one electron together. Fair. I don't know. So when they say like massive amounts of energy come from that, I I don't think I've ever quite gotten a, a grasp on what massive means because to me a massive amount of energy would be like you know like a ten kiloton nuclear bomb or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because like I always imagined that like you could. Okay, so like the the lights, the little lights in the magnetic constrict, uh, the uh, in the along the magnetic constriction units, right? They come toward the warp core, say on the Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. Every when the light when the light comes down, where that light is, it's holding like one one atom, one you know deuterium atom, and then the other side is holding one you know anti deuterium atom, and as they're coming mm-hmm. down, they're smashing them together in the middle in that matter reaction assembly. So like. I kind of thought that if you smash together uh, one atom of antimatter and one of matter, that you could like power New York City for like a week. That's a good question. One of the things that I think that we don't have an understanding of that we think that antimatter is the antimatter to a proton is a neutron. But maybe we'll discover that. An no, an anti. No, an anti. An anti. Wait, no, an anti. Wait, antimatter to what now? It's it's not an it's not a, like an ant. So it's like a it doesn't it's not like proton neutron. Those are not like positives and negatives of one another. It's a proton and an antiproton, and a neutron and an antineutron. That's what it is in Star Trek. It's not like an R minus one deal. <laughs> <laughs> it, but in in. Reality, what we call antimatter today. Wait, what are you suggesting here? What do you mean reality? What do you? What's happening right now? <laughs> In the twenty-first century, what they used to call antimatter then. Mjarnu, huh? Sorry, <laughs> I don't mean to keep doing that. I just I was listening to this other podcast earlier, and I think it infected me. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> was it just matter that has a ne- a negative charge where it normally has a positive charge so the... i don't think that's what it is i don't think that in the quote-unquote real which equals star trek by the way universe <laughs> that like i always thought that, like an anti-proton is an anti-proton like we've never said that like a proton and a neutron are going to create massive amounts of energy and and annihilate each other no we've no one's ever said that well i I don't think we have. I don't think we've discovered anti-protons. We've discovered anti-something. We've discovered some form of antimatter, and we've we've collided, collided it, collided it, collided it. We've put it in a super collider and collided it with a, its yeah. its counterpart of normal matter. I don't know whether it was proton or neutron or electron or lepton, <laughs> or righton. I didn't say left. Yes, or, or right on. <laughs> right on. <laughs> dad joke Crouton. is dad joke. Crouton shouldn't have jumped in. He should have left it alone. He had nothing to do with it. 
maybe I don't need, mean proton. Maybe I mean pos positron. Okay, sure. Posit positrons, similar to electrons, but you can have an antipositron and an anti-electron. Is that anti-energy? When CERN talks about antimatter, I don't think that's what they're talking about. Is just the anti of putting anti in the front of something. That's, but but it, that's what they're talking about. It's like the your antimatter has the same the same charge, but the negative mm -hmm. the negative sign opposite mm -hmm. sign. So every element on the periodic table has an anti version of it. So an antiproton mm -hmm. is negatively charged, which is a neutron. Neutrons don't carry a charge. They're neutral. Right. Then it's the electron. An antiproton is negatively charged. And an anti-electron is positively charged. Yeah. So, oh, you are correct. An anti-electron is a positron. Yes. Wait a minute. So data systems are based on anti-antiprotons? Anti <laughs> <laughs> on anti-electrons. Wow. Uncle Electron? We'll go with this. We've really fumbled this episode just here recently. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. Like, I don't but know what the fun. hell. I'm having fun, aren't you? That's something different with my life. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Dow seems to confirm our hypothesis that in order to get to Starfleet, they'll have to do it without the, the yeah, protostar. Yeah, and they, what they could have done is beam that shuttle up and then repair it. They could have mm -hmm. beamed that shuttle up and used the vehicle replicator. Oh, the vehicle replicator is poisoned also. Ooh. Otherwise, they could just make a shuttle and go to Starfleet. Mm. Wait, so does... Okay, so if the vehicle replica... So does the... Can a shuttle carry the virus of a... I guess it could. And then it'll connect to something and oh. then... Yeah. No, because, I mean, that, that weapon is got a... It, it, it's a certain size. You couldn't just shrink it. How would you shrink it down? No, I'm saying, like... No, I don't mean the living construct itself. I just mean the virus. Like, why do we even need the living construct? Because the virus from the living construct got into that shuttle, it got into that relay station, and the relay station tore itself apart. Yeah. Right? And then the, but the escape pod did not tell, tear, tell, tear itself apart. So maybe it had just hadn't gotten infected. Whoever's well, the following pod... them is not Starfleet. Because... Mm -hmm they interacted with the escape pod or did well, there's they not, there's not very much technology in an escape pod okay for it to act aggressively i mean it's just a well. it's just a floating tin can in space that has communications and food yeah so just like a little tiny version of the relay station <laughs> i wonder if the escape pod has an escape pod Oh, like just in case like, the escape pod gets damaged. Yeah, sure. An EV suit, a parachute, a parachute. It would presumably have to have a parachute in order to enter an atmosphere. I mean, safely. Yeah. It might have other thrusters, thrusters or control systems to keep it from burning up in the atmosphere. Sure, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I do think that we're gonna have to go without the protostar somehow. We're not taking the Galileo Seven though. That would be daft, apparently. Yeah. So here we are at long last, but where yes. Murph has finally gone into the cocoon. I've been waiting for Murph to go into the cocoon all this time. And yeah. again, I'm wondering why we didn't just look this up. Like, why are we surprised? Why is anybody <laughs> surprised? Like, they should have just uh -huh. looked it up, and like I did, and saw that, you know, <laughs> Mil Millennium, uh, 
um, what's he called? Mel- melanin, melanin. I would have to look it up. Men- I don't remember. Melaninium, melanium, <laughs> melanoid, a melanoid slime worm. Yeah. Why couldn't we just look up what a melanoid slime worm was? Slime worm. Why? Mm-hmm. Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we look up? Why couldn't we look up? Why couldn't we look up? Why couldn't we look up what a melanoid slime worm was and just know that that he was about to go into a cocoon and come out as something else? And we should know. We should look it up now. Like now that it's in a cocoon, we should probably go ahead and look that up because like we don't yeah, know. What's going yeah, yeah. Well, like, hopefully, hopefully, Rock will do. Hopefully, the episode could come out as like a scary monster. You know, like <laughs> I mean, like maybe just go check that out. A xenomorph. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it could come out as like a dinosaur that's going to eat everybody. It could come out as like, <laughs> you know, like uh, the Ba'ul. It could, like, maybe that's like the oh. the pre Bahari version of the Ba'ul. Mm. And then they, they Ba'ul themselves and they become these horrible, <laughs> like, slime Tasha Yar killing monsters. Uh huh. So, what we have here is your Pokemurf has evolved into a. Uh... I'm going to go for an 8.8 with this episode. Okay. I. We'll probably go with uh, 8.2. I didn't enjoy it with my first watch through, but like I mentioned earlier, I think once I had the epiphany of what the episode was trying to say and what it was trying to do, I improved my opinion of it. Okay. It was a nice episode. Yeah, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the episode a lot. I mean, it's, it's a very familiar story. Um, mm-hmm. And I like the fact that we did a retelling of that same sort of idea. I like how they gave us some closure on something, some characters and ships that were uh, previously unknown what had happened to them and connected those dots for us as well. Yeah, I I really like the, the, the retelling of this sort of similar story. There was one moment at the end where we were doing the live logs and life logs and prosper salute <laughs> and Dal actually corrected Hura and then Hura did it properly and it was nice that Dal would do the correction because the correction really wasn't necessary but mm-hmm. it's just like you got the right idea just to like shift it just a little tiny bit and you know mm-hmm. you got to cover because you have the the whole basic concept but I think that's what this idea was is that like you know you have the whole they have they have the whole basic idea it was just like set dressing the rest is just set dressing you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like Kelvin, Mirror, Original Series, Next Generation, Voyager. It's all like kind of the same thing. You just, it's a different set dressing. So, you know, you just adjust your set dressing a little bit to fit to fit this version of the salad. <laughs> Great. Um, tomorrow, we will be able to view the episode of Star Trek Prodigy called Crossroads. Crossroads. This is the episode 14 of the first season, and in this episode, the USS Protostar crew visits a remote trading outpost to find a way to get to the Federation without risking Starfleet with the Diviner's, you know, uh, living construct weapon. Mm-hmm. And guess who shows up? Janeway. Correct. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is also the episode where we see the return of the outrageous Okana from Star Trek The Next Generation. Wowzers. Mm-hmm. Haven't heard his name in a long time. That's been a while. Was he the pirate guy that tried to seduce Troy? Yes. Okay. Then I think I have the right guy. Yeah. Go back and watch the episode. It's called The Outrageous Okana. I believe it's a Pulaski episode. Hmm. Okay. I might do that. Well, everybody, until next time, stay positive, dream big, keep building towards the future, and you'll hear from us again soon. 
support and the continued making of this show through <laughs> Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial music feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay. Hey guys, it's Isaac here from Unplanned Trek. Like our good friends at Let's Talk About Treks, each week we do a new show, we put it up at where you listen to podcasts, and what we do is we focus on Star Trek. Any episode or movie from across all the Trek canon is open each week for us to attach our unique lens to it and dissect it with a little bit of humour thrown in too. So if you like these guys, give us a go too. Search Unplanned Trek wherever you listen to podcasts. (laughs) 